Welcome to episode 40 of BoardWars.eu, your bi-weekly podcast about Star Wars Imperial Assault, a miniatures game by Fantasy Flight Games. Jabba's Realm finally released, but before we get into that, we have some news at 11 minutes. In game discussions, we go all over the Aqualash campaign hero of Jabba's Realm. More about his weird support abilities at 16 minutes and 30 seconds. At 1 hours and 7 minutes, Yepek gives his first impression on the new skirmish map Anchorhead Bar in the play experiences. Also, a new YouTube channel that's dedicated to skirmish battle reports is being discussed. Community Watch is full of content too. Regional, regional reports, uh, Twitch channel ch- tournament and more at 1 hour, 17 minutes and 30 seconds. Finally, we close out again with some rules clarification at 1 hour and 31 minutes. Some confusion about the f- new 4-player map from Jabba's Realm is being talked about this time. And if you like our content, please consider supporting us on patreon.com slash bweu. We really appreciate it. Have fun with the show! Welcome, listeners, to episode 40 of Bordos.eu. This week, we have, again, a diminished cast. Uh, more on that maybe in the future. But uh, right with me here again is Jeppe. Good evening. And we also have, um, not on the on the mic, but at least with me in the room, uh, a new furry little friend. Because uh, we had a late Christmas present on the street in Vienna and found a little cat which we are adopting now so if you hear some noises like running in the background it's probably the little cat uh, destroying stuff so don't worry too much so does the previous owners know that it's been adopted uh, probably not so <laughs> I don't so the the story is that um, we came back from the family visit uh, one day earlier and went to the supermarket right across the street to get some stuff for the for the long weekend of a, a new year. And uh, there was a um, a woman with a cat in hand right in the supermarket, and she wanted to talk to one of the cashiers and uh, ask him about what to do with it because she can't take it home. She has two cats at home that probably won't accept her very well and uh, she found it under the cars just right outside the supermarket and I, got, I went with her around the corner to the to the vet and it was actually closed so I, I I offered her to to keep the cat until the vet opens and then we'll post some some flyers and uh, post on the various Facebook groups and uh, we did that uh, so on the next day we we got to the vet vet and checked her out. She had all of the usual uh, small cats, uh, farm cat stuff like uh, like all of the flea stuff. And um, so uh, we posted pictures on the Facebook groups and uh, distributed a few flyers, but no one really seemed to miss her. So she's with us now. With us now, and of course she's a she's a little little rascal and. Destroying stuff left and right, but it's fine. She's very cute. So uh, that's our uh, Christmas present. Uh, speaking of Christmas presents, I think the players of Imperial Assault also got a Christmas present because Java's Realm seems to be in stores, at least in the US. Uh, hitting, I think FFG put out the, the news of it being in stores last week, 
so in the first week of January. And uh, it's not available in Europe right now. I think you haven't had it. Um, the rumors go that we can expect it on Thursday, so that's in a couple of days. This Thursday? Yes. Because I, I heard I heard Pazzi write that it's pushed again, at least for, for his uh, local game store, that it's pushed again a week back, so... Not, I'm not entirely convinced it's going to, <laughs> to hit right now, but we'll see. I'm eagerly awaiting a way to order it online. So, <laughs> okay, um, we have a little bit of cleanup. Uh, I was posting on the official boards about our upcoming tournament, and there are two details that seem to capture the, the minds of the the player base. Which is the first is we have a, a game. Uh, round li time limit of 75 minutes in the rules currently, which I already bumped up to 90 minutes because uh, some of the some of the players were saying that 75 minutes might be built a little bit too tight, if especially if players are new on Vassal and they need to get uh, familiar familiar with the controls. So the current uh, way to do this, or the current way it's worded in the rules, is. That all Swiss and single elimination rounds will have a time limit of 90 minutes, excluding setup, of course. So meeting up in Discord and joining the game isn't counted. And if both players agree, <coughs> sorry, this limit can be disregarded and the game can be played to completion. So uh, if you and your your uh, opponent both agree that you do have the time and you want to see it to the end, you can of course play it uh, until. One of you has the 40 points required to win, and of course the uh, the result will be taken from these from this final game state, not from the point before where it where you hit the 90 minutes. Not that I could check this anyway. So, um, and the second part of the rules that were a bit uh, discussed was the actual map that we are swapping in for Nelvanian Warzone, which is currently the Anchorhead Bar. Yeppe, I think you played a few test games on Vassal with. Whom you want to play? Who, whom did you play against? I uh, played against uh, an avid British uh, YouTuber, um, and I'm probably going to butcher his name because he's uh, Rich online, but I don't know if it's actually as short of Richard. But Rich oh, okay. Rick, um, I oh, it's, it's Royal Rick. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, so uh, we played uh, quite a few games. Um, and we played played two games on on this map as well. We just basically had some lists uh, all from my part tossed together and um, tossed in the things and and tried to to play on the map. I hadn't played on it previously. I hadn't actually really had a look at it. Um, yeah, it wasn't in any rotation, so to, of course it wasn't played that heavily or or most mostly at all. So I, outside of some, a few private games, probably. I th think that it is. In terms of missions, I have played lately, and of course mostly I've been playing those that are actually in tournament rotation for the official tournaments. I think this is probably the one I can think of that has some of the most points you can score through the objectives. Objectives, uh, yeah. The, the one mission uh, you can score up to 20 points via objectives, and the second one you can score up to potentially 30 points. Um, the one where you can score 20 points is, I think, actually easier to score than um, potentially getting for the 30, and the other is probably not so so likely. But we're talking quite a high number score, and it's especially for for um, lists that are good at picking up stuff. 
and sorry interacting with it and um, for one of them also being able to move with it fast um, mm-hmm. and reversely yeah. of course um, something like Obi-Wan Kenobi that can completely uh, block you from interacting uh, is uh, is also very useful there and I think that's interesting but uh, I think you could probably with all the maps argue that this or that list benefits from it but it seems like this is a bit more of an outlier in how much benefit you get from being okay. good at interacting and moving or being good at blocking the others from interacting with for instance Obi-Wan yeah. Kenobi yeah um, so we are actually, cons- or I am actually considering swapping it out for uh, one of the two maps in either Luke or the Alliance Ranger um, villain pack, or sorry, ally pack from Wave 8. Because uh, if they are any better, we expect them to enter rotation instead of being swapped in for Nir- Nirvanian Warzone in the official tournaments uh, that are to come from FFG, or at least in the rules. So we are it, the jury is still out. So if you have any thoughts on uh, which map we should include as third map, uh, right beside the ISB headquarters and the Coruscant landfill, uh, let let us know at podcast at boardwars.eu. So just write us emails or just write in the in the thread on the official boards in the skirmish sub uh, sub forum, where there's also a, a forum thread for the tournament and where people discuss this stuff. Uh, on to the next cleanup stuff. Um, I, I had over the over the holidays. I had received two, actually two separate requests on getting ahead and writing stuff about the box expansions uh, from people that read the 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 reviews for the for the ally and villain packs. And uh, while I am flattered that people think that I can write this for the box expansions too, it's still uh, I'm. I started. I started doing it, or at least I, I put up some drafts in our online website thingy. But it's still a bit tricky to figure out how to how to structure it, uh, because the the big boxes and also the small boxes they have so much uh, content on on each front. So especially uh, stuff like skirmish maps, skirmish command cards, skirmish deployment cards. Uh, and then missions, side missions, uh, new new stuff for the for the supply decks and the upgrade decks, and of course new heroes. So there is a lot a lot different stuff to write about. If you have good ideas on how that could be structured in a way that written reviews of it aren't terribly to read, do let me know at our usual email so I can maybe get this going somewhere this year or so and i think i think that's it for cleanup which brings us to the news they are a bit sparse this week but let's see it Jeppe, what's up with the news yeah and uh, this news is coming to us uh, via the holonet from uh, more dodgy areas of the galaxy because there's been nothing official from fancy flight yet but uh, we've intercepted a um, <laughs> a bit of information that um, the scheduling of the different uh, events for the European Championship of the different uh, FFG games is now in place. We knew already that it would be at the 
UK Games Expo uh, this coming summer, the first weekend of June. I think it's from the 2nd to the 4th. Um, but we were curious how the different things would be scheduled, and we now know, not through Fantasy Flight yet, but through it um, being put out through different um, uh, pages channels. on... F- channels, yes, on Facebook. <laughs> um, and what we do know that um, the uh, Swiss will for Imperial Assault will be on the Saturday and uh, it will end with a cup to top 8 at the end of the day and the top 8 in the European Championship will then be playing on the Sunday and, and this is our the, the 3rd and the 4th of June respectively yes and that will be at the UK Gaming Expo and I believe that is up in Birmingham and of course it's not just the Star Wars games they're also putting the other games in so it's be quite busy with both uh, Game of Thrones, Netrunner, Armada, X-Wing, the card game, and Destiny on top of Imperial Assault. There are also going to be side events, so just as at the other large tournaments, it is quite likely that there will be something on the Friday uh, in terms of uh, playing Imperial Assault while uh, maybe you're just getting warmed up for the for the proper tournament. Um, of course, it is happening at a big gaming expo, which on one hand you can spend time on while you're there, but um, on the other hand, uh, you might not have time for it, depending on how much you want to do with the Imperial Assault and also side events. What is very good to know, though, is that already this Friday, Friday the 13th of all days of January, uh, the tickets are meant to be going on sale, and they will be on sale on the website of the UK Gaming Expo rather than on FFD sites. And I hope they're a bit better at, at handling high traffic than, than Fantasy Flight have been uh, for, for instance, the World Championship the last couple of years. Um, but I'm sure that's an improvement. Um, and I think it's worth noting that I, I was uh, very pleasantly surprised to here just a few days ago that apparently the UK Game Expo um, had grown with 10,000 more participants from two years ago to the Expo this last year. So I think they're up around 25,000 now and it's, uh, uh, I believe, the biggest in the UK and maybe also amongst the bigger ones in uh, in uh, Europe. Um, not that anything can compare to, to Essen. But I think uh, the UK Game Expo is maybe a little bit more focused on events where you play rather than only uh, uh, oogling and uh, buying uh, and, products. And buying stuff, yeah. Which is uh, an aspect of uh, of the of an event that is certainly missing from Essen. I, I really... I mean, you can play a lot of demos of new uh, games there, but really playing stuff you already own with random people or with friends... It's not really a part of Essen, so I mean it's in a part in, behind closed doors and aside from the from the venue and when you go back to the hotel or to friends or so. But uh, the met that um, the event itself is mostly focused about uh, on really buying stuff and demoing new games, so it's a bit sad actually, but it's fine. Okay. Um, I think that's it for... Uh, speaking of the tickets, yeah, but do you know what price range we can expect for the tickets? No, um, I don't. And in fact, um, the, the, I mean, the drawback of it being at a larger expo is that there's probably also the extra expense of uh, of buying uh, access to the 
to the thing itself. Yeah, that's 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 what I I expect. Yeah, um, but I mean the, the the tickets in in Essen, they are pretty cheap, right? I mean Essen tickets are like twelve euros per day if you pay if you buy daily tickets, which isn't that bad, really. Mm. But I expect that the, the tickets to the UK Games Expo to be at least double that. I'm checking right now, and it more. says uh, the week a weekend ticket for an adult is uh, twenty two pound. Oh, that's okay. Okay. Oh, uh, let's see. Maybe that's maybe that's okay. Okay. Yeah, we will see. Uh, they actually have the prices listed there, but <laughs> just I just noticed it. Whatever. So. Let's go on. Uh, we are going on over to our game discussion. And uh, for game discussion, since um, Java is finally out, or Java's Realm is finally out, at least in the US, we have uh, a little bit of spoilers in the... In the official boards, where some, where a member of the, of the boards uh, took pictures of all of the cards that weren't previously spoiled, and we will go over them over the next few weeks. And when I get my copy, I will also uh, upload them to our card image database and also write the, um, the corresponding uh, articles for our Ally and Villain Pack uh, reviews. But let's not get ahead of ourselves. Um, this week, we are going to start with Ona Koma and then the skirmish cards for all of the three new mercenary heroes. So... Uh, the the thread in the official boards is actually very well structured. You have spoilers with sections for the heroes and for the other for the other cards uh, by type. So we'll look over to owner and first of all, um, like we suspected, uh, we probably don't go over his statistics on his wounded side, but uh, because we we did already, it's mostly what you know already. The the attribute tests are weaker by one dice. And the endurance and speed are lowered by one. Sorry, you wanted to say? Yeah, I just wanted to say that uh, I think it's worthwhile to mention that there's been so much speculation. And I don't recall ever than that, that people in that degree has been begging to have uh, those who already got the product to tell us what was on the wounded side of a hero. Because there was speculation that he was stronger. And what we can see now is he's generally weaker except for one thing. Which... And oh, that is that the, 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 you usually lose a skill when you're flipped to your uh, wounded side. Yeah. But I believe the thing he loses is actually the limitation that he could only rest once per round. So he still has the bonus that he he recovers oh, extra. Wait. He, he, no, no, isn't isn't his isn't his third skill that he can um, that he can um, not get any conditions? I, that's what I remember. Let's see. I'm scrolling over to the news article right now. Let's see. Next. We have our salvage step. Previous of the Heroes for Java's Realm. So there we have... Where is he? Uh, I have him right oh, here. He's losing actually, two abilities. Wait. He's losing two abilities. Yes! He's losing, wait, the one, wait, he's losing the one where he cannot gain harmful conditions, which is, yes. of course, something that's nice when you have no defense dice. So now he can get harmful yeah. conditions because he's wounded. But he's also losing the limitation he had that he could only rest once per activation. 
Oh, so we were both right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's, yeah, yeah, That's nice to hear. <laughs> okay, so uh, he can now on his wounded side rest twice, but you can also stun him and he can become focused, right? Oh, focused he can become four, but he can also be, become weakened, stunned, bladed, and all of the good stuff. So, uh, going over to his starter, uh, starter weapon, uh, yeah, but you want to read us through the bodyguard rifle? Yes. Um, that is a blaster and a rifle. It is a ranged weapon with a green and a red die. And it doesn't have search abilities, but it has a uh, ability that when you declare an attack with this weapon, you may apply minus one damage and plus two accuracy to the attack results. So basically you can forego a bit of damage to get a bit more range when you shoot. Because basically with just a green or red, he has a, a, an, a range somewhere between... One and three, one and which three. is very unreliable. And another thing that uh, is different from other weapons is that he does not have room for an attachment on this weapon. Uh, all of this, I mean, um, that he looks very weak uh, offensive-wise for starting. Uh, so when you don't have when you don't have any any uh, XP cards bought or uh, any weapons replaced, he looks. I mean, he can take quite a bit of hurt, but the bodyguard rifle. Uh, most of the times, you need to you need to apply the minus one de uh, minus one uh, damage before you actually roll your dice. So it's it blow it can blow up in your face to. Maybe you make the accuracy, but then, then again, you also might not deal any uh, that much damage. So uh, I'm not sure the bodyguard rifle is really exciting for me, especially since it doesn't have any attachment slots. So it's probably something you want to replace with him fairly, fairly quickly. And also, since he only has endurance of four and speed of four on his non-wounded side, and he doesn't any doesn't have any really good abilities to get through the battlefield like for instance for uh, what's for Garkan where he can charge the Ona doesn't actually have something like that so it's I'm interested to see how this turns out especially in in campaigns or in in, in missions where you need to get to your uh, enemies or your, to the objectives first and not maybe even start right in face with them. So, uh, I I don't know if this is really a good shake on him, but it somehow gives me a little bit of a <laughs> concern in terms of uh, Biv Budrick being the last one who had a bit of a yeah, um, yeah. less strong he, opening weapon. He had a similar problem. Yeah. I think the he had a had a he had a red and a and a blue. He could have an attachment, and he had only one search ability, which was for an accuracy. Uh, so the weapons are not that different. But to be honest, I think with Bibbudrick, I think often what I've seen with him was that people neglected upgrading his weapon. And that's why he kept being felt a bit underwhelming, because he was forced to be up close. And I think, I mean, if Onarkoma gets in your face, the red die is um, it's going to be felt. But uh, he has yeah, to sure, be in your yeah, face, yeah. too. And I mean, you can you cannot slow him, or, or uh, you cannot slow him down unless he's wounded. So at least he he has got that going for him, right? So... Okay, um, moving on to his uh, reward card. So, of course, all of the all of the heroes in Jabba's Rum also have a corresponding side mission. Which, if you win it, you get a reward special to this hero. In Onar's 
uh, example, it is Haymaker. And it reads, one, uh, one strain, of course, not one surge. One strain, exhaust this card during your activation and choose an adjacent small hostile figure. Test strengths. For each success to a maximum of three, push that figure up to one space and then that figure suffers one damage. Uh, just one correction, there's no then in there. And because there's no then in there, I think he actually and, uh, yeah, sorry, he suffers sorry, yeah. damage that's, for each success or each. Uh... Yeah, that's that's true. I, I was actually asking Parsi that uh, in the in our Discord chat, and I still think it's worded rather clumsily. But it's quite clear that for each success you you make during this test, you can deal one damage and also push the, the yeah. figure one space. Yeah. So uh, that figure up to one space. That. The thing is, uh, I, I'm not sure if you need to push the figure one space, or if if this is optional. It says um, to a maximum of three, so uh, I think it's totally optional whether you move it uh, zero, one, two, or three. Yeah, and that figure, yeah, yeah, it might be. Yeah. It even says push uh, that figure up to one space for each success. To up so. to one space, yeah. So up yeah, to yeah. must, must uh, indicate yeah. that less is also fine. Um, yeah. I think it's amazing because he, I mean, he... Just has to to spend a, a a strain, and a lot of figures uh, can be killed that way without you bothering to use it in full action. And um, other figures can be moved around. I just think relocating figures is so strong for a number. Would of you? Reasons. So the question now: Would you rather uh, play a side mission earning a haymaker, or would you play a side mission earning um, core box Luke? <laughs> just because, <Decision> time. <laughs> like, it's not apples and uh, and uh, oranges. It's like soup and ice cream. I mean, it, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> not at the same no, time. It, at I least. mean, it's it. Both of both of them uh, occupy a side mission slot, and it's perfectly. Uh, you can imagine both of the cards uh, being on the table at the same time. So, and you have to decide which which but, mission I mean, you want to go as. So. Actually, I'm actually thinking about it a second time I'm not in doubt what I would do I would take owner's side mission but only because I haven't played it before <laughs> okay and in general I think the character side missions are, are more fun than the when, than the other ones sure sure regardless yeah, yeah, of how sure. useful the um, reward is otherwise yeah. I think Luke is probably one of the the potential allies that breaks the mold on on whether uh, allies are worthwhile or not yeah yeah Okay, so uh, going over to his, um, uh, his XP cards, the first will be Keep Up. Uh, Yeppe, you want to go through it? Yes, it is a uh, one-point XP. It reads, exhaust this card at the end of an activation to gain one movement point. At first, uh, my thought was that it is a bit underwhelming compared to the tactical movement of, of uh, Fen, which is two movement. Um, at yeah. the start of his activation that he can give to others. But what's interesting is here that it's actually at the end of an activation, so it can be at the end of anyone's activation, including an Imperial figure. Yeah. Um, and I think that is interesting because um, for him especially, uh, because I, as we'll see with a lumber of his abilities, he wants to be um, next to some of his friends to help them out, and this yeah. makes him able to adapt during the round. I, I actually would have very much liked to uh, have this card give him not one movement point, but says move one, one space. space. Yeah, yeah. Because that would have buffed up his rush ability a bit. 
because with that he could out of turn move into a space of an enemy figure and then deal uh, push it so you have more more viability for shenanigans with line of sight and whatnot but with one moving point you can actually enter the 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 space of the hostile figure so it doesn't really work so but, but uh, it says here you just have to enter a space adjacent to a small figure you don't have to be on top of it. Oh, that's true. That's true. Um, and it, you bring oh, up an interesting yeah. point. That, I hadn't thought of it. A, because that's actually fun, yeah. That ability, and, and we're talking of the one that's printed on Ona's uh, character sheet, reach rush. When you enter a space adjacent to a small figure, you may push that figure up to one space. And it says limit once per activation. But I think limit once per activation is that he can do it once per his activation, but you could argue that he can also do it during others' activation. Sure. So like, if he's, like if he's moved around up. by Finn, for instance, yeah. or by Gideon, yeah. it's quite possible that he can... Yeah, yeah, sure. Okay, so keep up from 1xp. I think it's okay. It helps him get around and helps him get to where he needs to be. So can't get wrong it, with that. So It's maybe not the first thing okay. that I would, uh, would go for with him, but it's definitely one that's uh, worthwhile to keep yeah. an eye on when you have the, the XP. Yeah. Not bad for 1xp. So on to the second 1xp card, which is Get Down. Exhaust this card while you or another friendly figure within two spaces defending. Test Strength or uh, Insight. If you pass the Strength test, apply plus one uh, block to the defense results. If you pass the Insight test, apply plus one evade to the defense results. Which is actually not that bad. It isn't. I, it's I just like uh, too bad that you have to choose. <laughs> Yeah, still, I mean, the, the plus one block, it's just one XP, right? So, yeah. uh, getting this early, um, and it's not, you don't have to be adjacent to your friendly figure, it's within two spaces, which makes it a bit more flexible. Yeah. So, uh, the plus one block, you might not think of it too highly, but it's it does change more than you would like to admit, right? So, because... Uh, Speaking of speaking of core box, Luke, he only has plus one block on his on his um, plus one bonus block on his mm. card, and this makes all the difference for me actually, because it, he can withstand so much more punishment. But I think what is, I think the same. Yeah. What is also uh, significant here is that it's not when the attack is declared; it's while defending. So that would be in yeah. what's the step so you, four yeah. of the attack. So that's mm -hmm. actually after. Um, the Imperial player has done all the symbols he can add, so on. So it's before he's using surges, but after he's done any shenanigans, he has up his sleeve. So that yeah. uh, that allows you to check what you get the most out of before you choose uh, what you roll. And by the way, uh, he has really good dice on both his. Uh, he's really really good on his strength and fairly good on his inside. Better than most figures actually on his inside. His strength is just off the charts. So um, though it's not. Uh, completely reliant, which is actually also maybe a bit nice, it is uh, there's, there's a fairly good chance that it will succeed. It's much better than the inside test of Diala, which, so at least his strength test, so... Yeah, both of them have yellow dice, so... Uh, so um, and and yeah, one has, of them has two even. Yeah, that's that's what I'm saying. He His strength test is blue, yellow, yellow, which is amazing for getting surges, so... Yeah, yeah. Okay, uh... I'd I'd get it. I, I'm actually I I would think that getting it quite early would be a good idea. Depending, of, of course, always depending on which class deck your enemy, uh, your your opponent is playing. So the Imperial player is playing. I, I would almost say regardless because he has no defense, um, and 
sure, by yeah. having this, he he uh, in a sense also makes himself uh, a target yeah. as well as yeah. others because, yeah, it's yeah. it's a way okay. to protect others as well. So uh, this feeds right into the next card, which is stay behind me. Yeah. You want to grade it? Yeah. So two XP. And there are two halves to it. The one is that you apply plus two health to your hero, so he's more uh, durable. And the other ability is, while an adjacent friendly figure is defending, if you are healthy, you may suffer one damage to apply plus one block to the defense result. So, two things are unique. One thing is that it's we're starting to see abilities you have to, to fuel with your health. The other is that... Um, the fact about him being healthy is that he cannot do this anymore when he is wounded, which is is interesting that he sort of loses one of his abilities when he's uh, one of his XP upgraded abilities when he's uh, mm-hmm, yeah. wounded. Uh, that that's true, but um, depending on which deck you're playing against, uh, twenty health in the in the early stages of the. Uh, of the campaign is quite a tall order for the Imperial player to break through, especially if you get down anyway. Mm. So I think Stay Behind Me will be relevant. There are some decks that might be a problem for you, like, uh, for instance, Subversive Tactics and the new deck, uh, Hot Mercenaries, which we'll talk about um, in one of the future episodes, I think next or the episode after that. Uh, because they... They really get onto focus firing on on single heroes, and then this can get out of control quite quickly. So you can lose your your stay be- second ability of stay behind me uh, quite fast. But I think if you're not playing against these decks, stay behind me is quite worth it. I think it's interesting that um, you can use it as long as you suffer health. So you can use it several times during the round. Of course, you can't use it more than once in a given timing window. So you can't pop more health in there to get more blocks. But you can use it throughout the, yeah. the 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 round and i think it's nice in the sense that if if the imperial player is focusing fire on on uh, onar himself he can just absorb it and maybe not use this ability on others and he's difficult to get down maybe a bit because he has a lot of health he doesn't have a defense die yeah. of course but that's another story but on the other hand if the empire is shooting on others he can sort of in a sense transfer the damage by this there's just one little thing and that is i thought it could have been hilarious if it didn't say an adjacent friendly figure but if he could also use it on himself and yeah. you asked me <laughs> why on, on earth would you want to do that that's because there's a number of situations where because i don't think the damage he takes from this is considered to be part of the damage so if it had been sure. different i think you could argue that um, there's a number of situations where you would rather inflict one damage on yourself, but then suddenly your opponent doesn't have the ability to do funky things with surges, for instance. Uh, well, Blast or... Yeah, yeah, exactly, because they then need to use the surge to do the damage. So, um, Blast, mm-hmm. Cleave... Well, the conditions, of course, are not relevant because he's immune to them, but, um, but still. Yeah. I mean, it's... It's probably in there that that you can't use it on on yourself, and that yeah, you yeah, cannot yeah. use it more than once per per, ti- per timing window. I mean, that's not on the card, but that's uh, basic rules. Yeah, yeah just yeah. because because of that reason that you cannot uh, just suffer all of the, the damage outside of the attack and then negate all of the effects that surges would have. Mm. So it's reasonable that it's worded this way, and I, I think it's still strong. So I would, I'd say it's it's okay. Okay. Uh, next 2xp card would be mutual, mutual Destruction. 
which is also um, split in two. The first is, while attacking, you may suffer one damage to apply plus one damage to the attack results. And the second one is, exhaust this card when you use rush. You and the pushed figure each suffer one damage. Uh, both of them, I'm not sure about. I, I, li I like this card way, way less than the previous three cards. So, just for the fact that you, you, you are... I mean, Onar's prime resource in the, in the mission is his health. So you're actually uh, accelerating yourself by by spending some of your resources. But si since since some of the decks are really, really uh, bent on spike damage and trying to wound heroes in single activations, and this can happen with Alma too, e even though he has 20 health, if you are starting to chip away uh, on your health yourself with multiple cards, like say with Stay Behind Me and Mutual Destruction, you're starting to get in territory where you are down to ten health more more often than not in the second uh, in the second round. So that's not what you want to do, I think, because then you have to rest and your four speed mean you can not get ahead quite easily. So I'm not sure. So that's nice because Stefan, on this we don't agree. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. Because um, I think, for first of all, for principal reasons, I think it's nice that you can push a character in different directions. So in this case, you can push him more towards the offensive. I actually, th but but uh, then for the specific card, I actually think it's very valuable to be able to. In a lot of situations, it's really a very nice turnover, a very nice deal for you to do one damage, to do one damage to the opponent, whether when attacking and you can see you're one short, or whether just to rush up near to a target, don't bother with doing an, uh, an, uh, an action to attack it, but just do that automatic damage. Because if you can clear things off the board that you need to clear off to get to an objective, or just to clear it off so it doesn't shoot you to pieces and probably do more than one damage to you, especially considering that he has no defense uh, himself. So the idea is, yeah. I think it's not because you necessarily want to use it... Um, all the time, but when you're just that one short, or you know that you can, yeah. for instance, you might have already uh, attacked, and you realize you're two damage short, so you can just apply one while attacking, because you can always do that whenever you attack, and then you can choose to do a move, one space uh, adjacent to it, and then you finish it off. And I think those two health are probably given out very nicely for a figure that uh, I think there are a few things that do less than two damage when they shoot Onar because of his his lacking uh, defense dice. Yeah, it's true. What what I'm what I'm a bit afraid of is that his low speed uh, is keeping him back from actually using the, this quite effectively. But, but so four, four speed is not that low. Yeah, that's true. But it's also not really high, considering that he doesn't have any very good movement abilities, or that he doesn't have that high of a strain, uh, that high of an endurance pool. But he's got uh, so. so He's got four. He's got four endurance, and so far we haven't seen any abilities using endurance. Um, that's true. That's true. He doesn't use any. I think the only the only card that's actually using strain on him is his reward, reward card. Yeah. So, and the interesting thing is that um, because he's actually healing two extra damage, so whenever he's resting, he's resting better than any other figure, which I think is also actually making up for his lack of defense dice, that he might be mm -hmm. more okay for him to rest than... A, than uh, normally, I think resting can be uh, lose momentum in a mission and lose it if you rest too often. But I think maybe when you know you get a bit of output out of it, as he does, it's uh, it sort of yeah. uh, levels out. 
Okay. And yeah, of course, I, the strain, I, I really can, have to see this in action. But so. when I mentioned that he doesn't have much he spends strain on, it means that he can use his strain to move around. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. That's true. And if you if you are using two strain per round to move around, which gives you an actual an effective speed of six, uh, you will still rest four uh, damage and two strain each time you rest. So yeah. that's good. Yeah. But but yeah, I'm I'm still not sure. So but again, still out. What I apply, what I like here is not necessarily that it's that you're spending your health, but the fact that you can just apply a damage that you know it's just I'm just putting it in automatically, uh, either yeah. in the attack or in the because you've it says while attacking, so you can see the dice result before you decide whether you want to hurt yeah, yourself. Sure. It's, a bit. it's flexible in that way. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So. Next card, free XP, brute strength. Yep. Yes. Uh, again, it's a uh, upgrade with two different parts to it: uh, a permanent and an exhaust. The permanent part reads: when you perform a tech test or a insight test, you may use your strength attribute. And since his strength attribute is ridiculous, it means that he's going to be really good at objectives. Even when he's wounded, he has a yellow uh, amongst the three dice for his uh, strength. Yeah. So yeah. um, I think that's that's quite a nice uh, quite a nice ability. Um and the second part of it the exhaust part reads exhaust this card when you p- perform an interact test strength if you receive two or more successes perform that interact without using an action. <laughs> that's that's amazing. <laughs> I mean it's it's in the same vein, vein as uh, as Mac yeah. who can also interact yeah. without spending an action. And local I mean, he has to, to pass some the test with, uh, yeah. with boxes but only yeah, only boxes, yeah. I mean it's it's just uh you have to pass the test but since you are rolling a blue and the two yellows uh two successes is okayish to get. And um that should be I mean you're basically going around and picking up boxes for free by then, so I I really like it. So especially get down with brute strength, so you can now use your strength test to um, give uh, other figures or yourself a bonus of eight during the during a defense, which I I like it. So brute strength, go get it. It's free XP. It doesn't do anything active. But it's still very, very, very good. I think he's uh, a bit like uh, a couple of other figures. He's really going to like the uh, upgrade. I think it's tier one upgrade. The uh, um, is it called the survival kit? The thing that uh, A means means that you don't pay extra for moving over uh, difficult terrain and yeah. so on, and it allows survival you to reroll kit, think, yeah. uh, a die on strength tests. That's going to sit very well with. Uh, with our Aqualish friend here. Uh, it's actually called Survival Gear Survival from Gear, the, yeah. I, I thought it was it's from Hoth. No, it's from Corbon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hoth is the uh, environmental recovery gear, I think, which is also... Oh, nice. yeah, yeah, yeah. So Survival Gear with Onar, very, very good. I mean, we have it uh, in our current campaign. Actually, Jin is using Survival Gear to <laughs> to counteract the, the arc blasters of the Stormtroopers. So ah. she can uh, reroll her strength die because she only has, a, I think, a blue one, and she has the ways of the force from from the the, the, the mission. So you ca- she can get uh, focused and then reroll a die, which most of the time means that she's not going to get stunned. So that's very nice. And I think Survival Gear, of course, it's it's a prime a prime accessory accessory for uh, Honor. 
Okay, uh, second 3xp card is Hold Still. Exhaust this card while an adjacent hostile figure is defending to apply minus one block or minus one evade to the defense results. And when a hostile figure voluntarily exits a space adjacent to you, you become focused. Uh, actually, it reads when a hostile figure voluntarily exits an adjacent space, so, you become focused. So he so cannot he exactly. cannot punch them and to make them move with uh, with rush or yeah, similar. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but uh, but otherwise, yeah. Um, I think again he has a lot of abilities where he gets to see the die results and then he decides what he wants to do. And it, often there are little uh, sort of increments with which it changes the results, but you have perfect knowledge mm-hmm. when you do it. And I think that's so powerful because, of course, whenever someone is defending, you are the last one to to modify uh, appliers that are not related to the to the surges. Yeah. Um, and I think that's yes. that's really good. Um, I think the second part I was first really excited by because um, I think it's one of the easiest ways, in a sense, for for figures to. Um, to get focus so far, and what's interesting is that it doesn't, it's not limited by you being, it's not exhausted, it, that part of the card is not exhausted, so it can happen several yeah. times through the round. Um, and I think that's good, because the thing is, he is probably doing attribute tests fairly often, because his abilities use them, which is probably also why they, they use uh, tests, and they give him such a, a generous focus ability. Um, so, uh, yeah. so that's nice. It's it's very interesting that all that all of his cards, uh, also the two card, the two remaining cards, they seem to be not as flashy. Like they they are very much geared towards support. Which if you look at him, he doesn't look like a support character, right? I mean, if you look at him at his artwork and the card, it looks like he's going to get in in there and and punch people and shoot people. But that's not actually what he's doing. He's actually manipulating the battlefield by by pushing people around, giving them less defense, distributing uh, damage to him from other heroes, so he's not that that, that guy to get in and and deal out damage. I was he's... about to say in a moment we're going to see something that's very flashy and with a lot of fireworks, though. Yeah. Okay. But so I, but I think let's I, go over to the four XP. But I, I think I'm, I'm otherwise totally agreeing with you, and I think in a previous segment about something else, I think it was the precision class or some such for the Empire. Yeah. We talked about at some point that it, it's not really flashy, but bread and butter gets you a long way in this game. It just works. Yeah. It just it works. doesn't it doesn't stand out, and it might not feel like the heroic kind of type you want to be, but it really oils your machine to uh, to get yeah. where you want to go. All right, so let's go over to the four XP cards. The first of which is his um, uh, armor. You want to go over it? Yes. So um, it is an XP card, four XP, and it is a Black Sun armor. So it also has the armor icon. So it basically functions as uh, something you wear, and of course that. Prev- Vents you from wearing other armors. I think you can have two, but everyone yeah. will wear one on a mission. Yeah, or... it's one armor per yeah. character. Um, but what it does is it adds three health to you, just a bit like um, the combat armor does as well. Or, uh, no, what's it called? Well, the old one. Um, laminate armor. Laminate armor, is. exactly. Um, I confused it with the, the combat coat. But the laminate armor is also three health. And then it says that while defending, you may apply plus one block or plus one evade to the defense results. And this is not an uh, exhaust ability, so every it's single every attack... attack. Yeah, every attack, you get to add that. And that's basically like um, um, black die roll at its worst, but 
it's pretty nice in the sense that it's it's tossed in there where he's someone who doesn't have a defense die because he's balanced and then having a lot of health and not getting conditions and healing well and so on. So I think you probably are looking at a, a decent mileage. I know someone has done a lot of uh, number crunching and discussing on this on the fantasy flight forms, but I haven't followed that thread in particular. But um, I think it's worthwhile to look into. Um, the only thing is, of course, that um, when you're spending XP on something that's essentially equipment, it means that you don't have to spend money on it, but on the other hand, it also means that you can't spend money on an armor and fill out that gap for something else, for the XP to be spent elsewhere. Yeah. I mean, uh, the the thing I thought about when I read this, that um, with Get Down and Black Sun Armor and Stay Behind Me, not only does he have 25 health now, he can uh, get, once per round, he can get one bonus block, and he can get one block bonus block each attack so it's getting to a point where it's actually hard to to get consistent damage with at least with small figures but then he would be at uh, 25 health yeah and then he's at 25 health so it's actually hard to get him down then so it's really going to be uh in the end stages of campaigns if he's constantly resting I think it's it will be a, a tough fight for the uh, for the for the empire to get him down, and I think also that most of the the missions in Jabba's realm focus around wounding all heroes. So, especially having him makes it much easier to um, to complete all of these missions because they are not they are not timed. So it's mostly or some of them might be timed, but uh the Empire to win them needs to wound all heroes, so that's also something which is much harder if you haven't decked out Omar. So Yeah, and it's definitely something where both the Imperial player and the rebels need to adapt to how damage is being applied, because sometimes you're better off as the rebels as having him basically he's absorbing damage with the way he's using stay behind me to take damage to have someone else not take damage and and sometimes you want to use it and sometimes you want not to um to avoid others being wounded and maybe sometimes you want him to be wounded because you don't care because then others are are still maybe uh not close to being wounded and can finish on and, and yeah. uh, complete your objectives yeah Okay, so on to his la- last card, which is also 4xp and is called Don't Make Me Hurt You. Exhaust this card when you declare an attack to add one red die to your attack pool. After you resolve an attack, if the target has de- was defeated, you may suffer one damage to ready this card. So that's okay. <laughs> that is, um, <laughs> that's the fireworks. <laughs> that's the fireworks, yeah. Um, I'm... I mean, uh, I was really looking. We are going. We're going to 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 mention the the compendium again in the community section, which is a a series of articles in the FFG official boards where uh, a user, I think it's the same user who posted the spoilers, uh, is going over and uh, comparing all of the um, the dice this time. Or in the first batch, he's only comparing the dice from the melee weapons in the campaign. And comparing how they fare against uh, the white die, the black die, and on average. So what he found is that red yellow is a very, very, very potent um, uh, combination, especially if you have surges or, or good surge abilities. So uh, when you upgrade his weapon to something like 
at least a bit better than the bodyguard rifle. <laughs> then with uh, one extra red die and maybe one yellow and one green, you have a very very decent attack. And with that, I can I can see him uh, mowing down regular and even elite uh, troopers quite reliably with one attack and then readying this card and getting the the uh, attacking another figure and doing the same again. So. I mean, yes, again, you're spending resources you actually want to keep, but, but this way... The thing is, if if he's rolling uh, surges, they can, of course, also be used to recover uh, strain, recover, or yeah, of if course, he has yeah. none, recover the damage he's taken. Yeah, sure. I think um, this is where his... Uh, maybe not his friend, but uh, a friend of his friend, Dr. Everson, pops in and says, he doesn't like you. I don't like you either. <laughs> <laughs> and then he shoots your face off. Yeah. Um, I can't wait till we, at some point, as we're going through all the Jabba stuff, Jabba stuff, that we'll be talking about some of the items, and especially some of the Tier 3 items where you get weapons that basically use one of your attribute tests. And uh, there is one that gives you yeah. three dice, um, on your strength, basically, not three dice, but the dice you have for your strength to use for this weapon. And that actually yes. would be really interesting on Ona, and even more interesting. And also an interesting choice for the Imperial player, because he actually gets even better dice if he's wounded, because then his um, strength attribute changes to... That actually that actually depends. If you, uh, You're, of course, talking about the Rig Blades yes, from the yes, Wookiees. Yes. Uh, we will go over them uh, when we are getting to the to the upgrades. But just to just to give the the listeners context here, the reek plates are or whatever they are called. They're very chic. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I'd say we call them reek plates, and they are the the plates that Wookiee warriors are carrying. And they cost nine hundred fifty credits. They are tier three. They have the trade blade, and they have an attack, a melee attack with three dice. But the dice are actually not fixed. But your attack pool with this weapon is your strength pool. So with his strength pool of blue, yellow, yellow, you have a very good attack and. The, the Reek Blades also have a Surge for Cleave too. But most importantly, it has, while attacking with this weapon, you may convert any number of Surges to damage results. But so even this the, is amazing. Even, even with that in mind, the, the red die is better than the yellow. Even if you just imagine you sure, can make everything sure. into damage that has more icons on it than uh, than the yellow does. Yeah, sure. Uh, I'd say it almost sure, twice sure, as good, yeah. but but still, it's uh, I mean, it's amazing that they're putting those things in. And imagine him then adding an extra red die from that ability we just talked about. So we're talking about a four yeah. die attack. He has a very good um, focus ability. So we are talking about someone who maybe has a five die attack um, fairly reliably. Yeah, that's that's, that's terrifying. <laughs> suddenly, that's terrifying, suddenly he's yeah. not a tank. He's a bloody howitzer. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Uh, but, of course, this is, again, yeah, Elite, yeah, yeah. and I, he needs to get there, so it's a bit uh, dependent on him true, true. getting there. So, But but it's fine. So but we'll de- go over the, the tier, tier items. But definitely, uh, the there, is, there are different ways to go with his, and you can make something kind of a middle ground, but he can also just be someone who punches your face in, if, uh, if that's what you want yeah. with him. Uh, it might not be what he's most interesting in design-wise because there is a lot of damage dealers, and we haven't seen a. We've seen a lot of characters through the years uh, of the game that looked like a tank, but they there was actually nothing that in the game mechanics that mm, really made the 
the enemies have to attack it or gets his uh, being yeah. focusing their attention on him. But but he has because he can choose where damage is being dealt in a sense with his some of his abilities. Interesting. Yeah. So this is this is all of the the cards for Onar. And like I said, I get the impression that he's more about manipulating the battlefield instead of actually dealing damage. But of course, you can you can push him into a specific way, and if you get the uh, the rig blades, then it's it's going to hurt, of course, very very much. But we'll see. Um, yeah, uh, and just just the. the plainly obvious that we haven't been talking about is that being able to move other figures around uh, reliably and often uh, is so powerful both in sense of setting up attacks if you want to put figures together for a blast or put them together sure, yeah. for a, a uh, way of the Silag or removing them from an objective or a door that uh, the Imperial player is, is blocking and sometimes that alone mm. can, can slow you enough down that you basically cannot win the mission. Yeah. Okay, so that's Onar, at least his campaign side. Speaking of his campaigns, and he's also uh, represented as a skirmish card in the uh, Jabba's Realm expansion. And like all of the heroes, he doesn't have a rebel skirmish card. He's actually a mercenary skirmish card. Um, I, I think I'll, I'll, since we talked about him right now, I'll, I'll go start uh, reading him. So Onar Komar is a mercenary card. He has the Guardian and the Hunter trait. He costs six points to deploy. He's, of course, unique. And he has uh, 15 health, a speed of four, no defense die, a ranged attack with blue, red, and green. Uh, surges for uh, plus two damage and minus two accuracy, which is weird. Uh, another surge for plus one damage and minus one accuracy. And... Then he has the following abilities. The first is a special action rush. Move up to four spaces. Then you may push an adjacent small friendly figure, uh, small figure, sorry, up to one space. If you do, you and that figure suffer one damage. And he has get down. While a small figure within two spaces defending, you may apply plus one block or plus one evade to the defense results. Limit once per round. He's also immune. You cannot gain harmful conditions. So he is soaking a lot of damage. And he can also deal it out if he gets up close enough. Yes. Yes. I mean, the the plus one damage, uh, the plus two damage from minus two accuracy is, of course, you want to use it on the with the blue die because the blue die can get you quite a bit of range. And if you are expecting him, him to be in the front lines anyway, you might not actually need the range so you can translated in in damage in, in a way so it's not wasted <coughs> but you can actually use it to deal damage you're not actually using it but you use the surge to actually get less accuracy and then deal more damage but yeah you know what I, what I want to say so is this something you want to run <laughs> I think he's interesting and uh, I think the hunter trade just blew through the roof in sorry in terms of um, yeah. of uh, of the cards that are available, um, yeah. I, so I think he's interesting, and I can see how he can do some of the same stuff as in the campaign with his get down get down ability. Um, he can move, which I think is interesting. And here it's actually spaces uh, when he does his rush rather than movement points. Yes, and he has a three die attack, um, and I think you get a lot for it, the six points that he costs. So they're they're, they're definitely. Uh, costing them in a 
in in a way that makes him appealing uh, at the moment. That being said, how, I think he's interesting. How much? How, how much? How much health do, do the Banthas have? Nineteen. Uh, twenty-one. Ah, twenty-one. And they are then. Uh, they are nine. nine. Yes. So. Okay, so he's slightly above Kurth, I think. Yeah, so they have like seven per uh, per three. So it's he has minimally. Yeah. It's minimal. It's like a. Half, it's like one he- yeah. one extra health. Yeah, yeah it's, it's not much. Uh, of course, the Bantha does a lot of other things. I think. He, sure, sure. You probably have to adjust just your for, just for. You probably have to adjust your sorry. game uh, plan more to a Bantha when you see it across the field than you do to him. But uh, to be honest, I think he can probably also do a fair amount of damage with his his three dice um, mm-hmm. if he gets close to. But that being said, I think he looks interesting. But. Um, it's. I don't think I'm going to play him anytime soon because where I think he's interesting, the two others are very difficult for me to not want to play because I think they're very, very interesting. Okay, so why don't you go over to Sheila and tell us uh, but, why she's um, I just, just. Or do you want to get? Do you want to go with Winter? No, I'm. I'm just, just to, to finish up. Oh no, I do have to say that I, oh, I okay. like the fact that he can move figures, and that is even though it's only one space, it's, uh, it's just an important thing. Yeah, in, 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 in skirmishes, yeah, in skirmishes everything is amazing, counts. Yeah. Um, yeah, I just think with um, maybe we'll talk about these. Uh, we've talked about them before. Maybe we will again when we talk about their campaign hero in the coming podcasts. But um, I. I think that Sheila is just very interesting because I think she has about the same punch and about the same survivability as do um, as do Busk. They're the same value, but I really like how she can relocate figures by she can move them three spaces, yeah. and that is uh, incredibly good. Basically, she can move in on uh, an objective, and then she can move the other one off it, and uh, that is. Yeah. Uh, and then she gets to attack at the same time. Um, and I think uh, Vinto, I've played him only once in a skirmish game on Vassal, and definitely something to get used to. But I think the fact that he gets two attacks for one action, and he's got a fairly good attack with some interesting search abilities, is very nice. And then the fact that he gets unblockable damage that he can put on other figures is is just really nice. Yeah, the, the- I mean, yeah. So, his ability for those uh, listening in, he has Bolt Slinger. After you resolve an attack during activation, you may choose a hostile figure other than the defender in your line of sight and within three spaces of you. That figure suffers one damage. And of course, he has the special action Rapid Fire where, where he can just perform two attacks with one action. So, that's basically two bonus, two, two unblockable bonus damage on two different, fi- or on one figure if you can manage it in a way. Which is amazing, uh, on top of his very good attack of uh, blue and green. So yeah, and I... and uh, he, he yeah he has some interesting search abilities as well. But the thing is, there's been earlier a lot of talk about how he would be good when you're facing troopalists and there's trooper here and there with one health left. But to be honest, yeah. I think it's not just figures that are at one health. Also, a figure at two health he can kill, or or figures that have a mm-hmm. lot of health but they are their the health is guarded behind very good defenses. He can just slowly plink at them now and then. And of course, he also has a really nice command card which allows him to do an attack without using an action. So a bit like Luke. So that would actually allow him to attack three yeah. times in a round if he uses that one. 
That's terrifying, yeah. And there's a nice little call, call, card, card rather, called Smuggled Supplies, which um, go all the way back to... I'm just trying to uh, remember. It's, it's from the Alliance Smuggler. Alliance Smuggler, yes. Which basically, you have three different advantages you could choose between, but one of them is that you apply one surge to your attack results until the end of the round. So if he was to choose that one and he's attacking two, maybe three times in a round, that's three surges with very nice surges yeah. on hand. That's a four. Uh, the, the card only casts one, so yeah, it's yeah, very, it works very well cheap with him. for what it does. It works well with him. Yeah. And of course, he's a. Uh, which is to be said of all three, <coughs> they're all three hunters, and hunters just got a really, really, really big uh, injection of nice cards with uh, this whole wave. Mm-hmm. And he's also a smuggler, and they also got some very nice cards. So if you put some hunter and smugglers together, you have a lot of figures that can use the same range of cards, and he can benefit from them. Yeah, he he looks he looks amazing. The only thing I I I'm a bit worried about him. He I, that's it's actually a very a very bad point because he has a, um, a deployment cost of five and he has only eight health, which sounds bad to say because eight health is actually very good for a five uh, deployment cost. But he has a white defense die with no really with with no additional defense capabilities in build. You can also you can, of course, always play any generic cards that give him defense. But uh, so I, I'm just afraid that uh, if he's on the board and he he he's slightly out of position, that a, a, an activation will come in and just take him off the board. But try and compare for a moment with the Imperial officer from the base set, which is five health. <laughs> Sorry, not f- it is five sure, health, but it's also sure. five points. Yeah, sure. No, of course. Yeah, yeah. Not he's of course he's much better than that. That no questions questions asked. So uh, it's just it, 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 I'm a bit war, I'm a bit weary to to use him. It's probably not not a real issue. It's just that it looks weird compared to the other two heroes who have 15 and 12 uh, health and a black defense die. I mean, Honor doesn't have any defense die, but uh, he can. Um, uh, he can give his block and his uh, evade to himself too. So, yeah. I mean, if you play owner and and Vinto, you can give him additional blocks. So it should be fine, really. So I think he has a good amount of health, but you do have to think about you use him, especially because unlike his yeah. fellow Rodians, he's not going to get a shot off when he's killed. Yeah, yeah. But um, but he's getting shots off anyway. So um, he's, <laughs> he's 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 of the he's of the I'm shooting first class. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's all over the place. Okay, so um, that's game discussion for this week. Uh, next week or n- next episode, we will go over through one of the new Imperial class decks and uh, the new command cards, which will be interesting to see. Um. Moving on, we have our play experiences. I think, Jeppe, you played your, what's it called, the, the, the custom campaign, the fan-made campaign from the, with the, the free bounty hunter heroes. It's called For a Few More you Credits. Played, yeah, you, For a Few More Credits, right. <laughs> now, I'm uh, trying to... Did you, did you finish I'm it? I'm trying to... No, we didn't. We, we're playing the last mission this week, hopefully. Uh, so we can get ready for for Jabba's. Um, I'm trying to remember when we recorded the last podcast. Was that before Christmas? 
That must have been before Christmas, yes. Okay. Yeah, so we've played uh, two of the missions, so we've now played three of them uh, from the fan-made a few more, uh, for a few more credits. It's, um... Um, I, I just gotta say we've had so much fun, and I think also we've had extra fun because I think it's pretty clear that it's not very well balanced, and because of that we're letting loose and just enjoying the ride. I think maybe the, our, it's not called the Imperial Player, but because he's controlling all sorts of uh, of, of units, um, I think maybe it can be a bit frustrating for him, but even despite the fact that it's maybe not overly balanced, somehow we end up having very close uh, games till the very end. Uh, last game was basically decided by the very last roll in the very last action. Um, but it's not because the characters are particularly uh, balanced or the missions, but somehow it ended up that way anyway. Um, so, so that's been incredibly entertaining, and I think they've uh, they've done something. I don't know if there's more than one guy who's put it together, but he or they. Um, I will maybe speak a little bit more of it when we finish the campaign. But um, yeah, they've they've put a lot of interesting thing in there, and we've we've been highly entertained by it. Um, Maybe we should get the guy on the show. Yeah, it could be, could be, and and there's also another fan-made thing out that I would like to try at some point, um, but that's not so much. So this this uh, this guy has been making missions and a campaign, and he's been making uh, these four unique characters. You can play in this only. You play actually scum, uh, bounty hunters. <clears throat> And um, and that's where it's difficult uh, to balance. But there's another guy who's then taken established missions, side missions, um, and put them in and uh, like threaded them with a campaign where he's then written lengthy uh, descriptions in between, like the epilogues. Ah, uh, that's the that's the the the, the side missions from the yeah. wave four and wave seven. He's uh, taken. He's seven, basically yeah. taken those that otherwise might not fit the fit the. The, the time zones and he's made that one and put them together in a in a campaign and I'd like to try that at at some point it's been uh, it's been fun to to try this one uh. it's actually I think this this project <laughs> deserves much more attention because uh, what he has been doing is all of the side missions that he has been using I think except from the Bantha pack uh, only use core box uh, tiles so uh, you only need a core box and um, Twin Shadows to play all of this, and it should be fairly entertaining because it's, uh, the side missions have been rebalanced, so they work a little bit differently than originally uh, in, intended, but uh, putting them together in a campaign should be very, very entertaining. And I'm, uh, I'm, a, bit, I'm a bit sad that we did um, run a... Uh, our second campaign from Return to Hoth instead of using, or instead of trying one or two of these uh, community-created campaigns, but maybe after Jabba's Realm we will have. But I, I wanna, the next small back box is already on the horizon. So I, I definitely want to play Hoth again because I thought it was a great campaign, but also because I have players that haven't played it. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, go on, because uh, I will also weigh in with a bit of Hoth talk. But um, Yeah, so that was... Uh, we've played with the campaign, and by the way, I've <clears throat> recently reacquired a smartphone after my old one... Um, Drowned uh, <laughs> at some point last year. So um, while I've had my friends taking picture of these, and I, I have them send them to me, and I'll put them on the Facebook page at some point from the fan made campaign. Hopefully, I'll find it easier to take pictures at uh, my uh, future games. <coughs> Sorry, excuse me. Today it's apparently me with a cough. 
Um, <laughs> then um, be- just before Christmas, I had a kind of an epic Star Wars day in that um, I uh, went very early, like eight in the morning. I caught a train to The Hague to uh, see Rogue One yet again, but that time at the IMAX. And uh, with me, I had my Imperial Assault stuff, and I then went to a game store around the corner and played there um, all day. Um, and we were proxying some of the new stuff because obviously that was not even out anywhere uh, yet at the time. But we had the stuff that was spoiled, and uh, that was that was fun to try. Um, it was a bit uphill with the stuff I'd put together, but um, but but good fun. And then, as I uh, mentioned earlier in the, tonight's podcast, I've been playing uh, quite a few um, skirmish games on Vassal with uh, Royal Rich as he's. Uh, uh, calling himself on the Fantasy Flight forum and also in our Discord, he has a <coughs> sorry a a uh, prolific um, YouTube channel. I am just going to yeah, we, we will link, link it, it in uh, the, the show notes, of course, in a in a in a moment. Um, but uh, we've played uh, five games. Um, on uh, Imperial Assault is basically because uh, after Christmas and to some degree New Year's while um, I was desperately waiting for spoilers from Java and to get it and there was not a much uh, game going on so I was watching quite a few uh, videos online and stumbled into his channel as well <coughs> um, and um, yeah so we uh, got in touch and played some games on uh, on Vessel 5, and uh, unfortunately, because we're at an uneven number, he's uh, now one game ahead of me, and uh, he's <laughs> playing uh, these uh, Rebels with Echo Base and um, Obi-Wan and uh, some Wookiees that he's been playing through a lot of his matches on his YouTube channel, and um, I was uh, trying out some uh, <coughs> some um, some different uh, shenanigans with uh, some uh, scum and stuff, and uh, yeah, it's uh, been good fun. And uh, we haven't been recording these, but um, I'm sure we will uh, be uh, facing off again in the future. And the the channel is called Star Wars Streaming, and Star Wars is in one word, so Star Wars and then streaming. Okay, yeah, you will <laughs> link it in the show notes at least. All right, uh, that's it for you, right? Yes. Yeah, okay. So I've also been playing just two times uh, campaign. Uh, we will we have been continuing continuing our return to half campaign, our second one, which is actually um, interesting because um, our imperial player or players are playing the subversive tactics deck, uh, not subversive tactics, the technological superiority deck. And it turned out to be very strong in the middle g- game. But right now, we have found ways to mitigate most of the effects. And since we recently got into buying some new weapons for all of our heroes, I think the the the, the, the last two missions will only be decided if they are using uh, in influence cards on the mass in the last missions, which they have been stockpiling throughout the campaign right now and uh, it will be interesting to see who actually can eke out the win in the last mission but uh, so far I think the the total number of uh, wins versus losses is like 
I think eight to two. No, not she can't be eight to two. It maybe it's seven to two, because we still have one to three missions to go. Yeah, should be right. Seven to two, or maybe six to two. I don't know. So uh, rebels are quite have a quite uh, large lead. But since we play with the house rule from Jonathan Ying, one of the co-creators of the game, where uh, the story missions give you full rewards, even uh, if you lose, if you lost the previous one, uh, the the snowball hasn't been rolling really. So I think it's still, it it provided uh, that the missions were very interesting and very tense up, up until now. And I expect all story missions to to keep that way. Right now we are still in the the two side mission lump before the last missions. So these have been a bit disappointing because most of them are not geared towards high threat encounters. So we have been decimating the the board quite easily. And then, of course, there's nothing more to do for the Imperial player. So uh, we will see how it develops and I'll probably will finish in two or three weeks or so. And then... We'll see how it shakes out. I, I think we'll have a tough fight at the end and probably going to lose because of all of the, the influence cards, but we'll see how it turns out. And uh, Vassal, uh, Skirmish Vassal, I will also play a bit in the next few weeks just to test out uh, streaming because I also um, I plan to, to stream and or record some of the, the, the tournament games. So we have something to show on the YouTube channel and on the Twitch channel. So yeah, we will see how this shakes out. So uh, going on to Community Watch. Roger, roger. The first is uh, we have a few items and I, I actually found a... A link to a Twitch channel which uh, streamed a very short tournament um, last weekend. I'm not sure. I will post the link in the in the show notes to the video itself. They were playing on three different maps with um, some or most of the new stuff from Jabba's Realm. So you can see Gamorrean Guards, you can see Jabba, you can see the Inquisitor, I think. So it's interesting to watch. Maybe not the most high-profile games, but still uh, worth a watch. And if you are bored during the weekend and want to uh, get some Imperial Assault skirmish into your system, that's a very nice way to do that. Uh, Also, Tabletop Admiral now saves collections. So, Tabletop Admiral is... uh, We talked about it last time. It's basically a a substitute or a, a competitor to IA armies which is an online list builder. And you can go on there and uh, create an account and then select which packs you actually own. And the list builder will only display the cards from these packs. So if you are, especially for people in the German meta, who is, of course, again, behind a bit, uh, this is very helpful because you can then filter out stuff you cannot use in the tournament, even though you might have bought it in English or so. So even though stuff is out, it's still not legal in Germany. The, the age-old story. So with Table of Admiral, all is good now. You just look up what what is legal, check the boxes on uh, on all of these um, on these releases, and then you can only build lists with the contents of these boxes. And I will uh, just show it like this. Uh, let's see. I'll just 
uncheck these ones. Oh, like this. And then height packs. So I shouldn't have Soren in my, so that's what that's, uh, in the, um, in the video, if you're watching this on YouTube, you can see, uh, the, the website itself and how to actually show the packs and select which packs you own, hide the selection again. And then if you deselected some of the packs, you cannot use cards from these packs. Like I deselected Echo Base Trooper, Soren and Weiss. So if I put in Weiss in the, in the search, nothing pops up. If I select General Weiss again, he pops up again. So that's all very fine, very useful, and you should use it to build your lists. And if you save your, if you want to save your list, you can also do it right now uh, to a profile and whatnot. And you can also share, just share the list, which is just a fancy way of uh, giving you a, a hash number at the end, which represents your selected cards. So I have to say this uh, is all for this this have quickly uh, become my favorite builder because of those functionalities and he's been very very um uh, quick to uh, adjust to input and uh, done some improvements of the interface already and uh, I really like that we finally have a, a builder where we can more reliably both save and we can also Look at where things are from and so on. There's still actually, as as late as today, I found a card that's actually has not made it into the builder yet because it's uh, been overlooked. And but it's it's in a it's a work in progress and uh, it's still um, yeah it's the best builder out there for sure. Yeah. So use it. I, I mean, you can still use I uh, armies uh, and it's it's a very nice alternative to this. But uh, with Tabletop Admiral, there it's you have a, a very nice tool on your hands right now. Okay, so the next one is actually from Yep. What is this? It's it's passes. Oh, that's the ability resolution ordering during attacks. Yes. Okay. So uh, Passy, the uh, the the man, the legend, the uh, the rule sage has um, a while back made a. a Post on the Board Game Geek forum about the resolution of all abilities during attacks in the campaign, and uh, I offered to add the stuff for the um, for the skirmish game, but uh, he uh, beat me to the punch, and he's now added those. And I think it's very valuable to for people to go and have a look at. Um, I think that there's a number of uh, when you start playing the skirmish game, there's a number of things that you just pick up along the way, and there's a couple of common rules mistakes. But when you get past those, I think that the next or maybe even the last big hurdle in the game is how uh, things are done sequentially during the attack. And basically, um, especially all the command cards and all the abilities in the game that says while attacking, those things that say while attacking is just not at any random time while you're attacking they fit to specific points of the seven parts of uh, of performing an attack. And uh, I think it's good to be aware of those because you can avoid a lot of uh, confusion and discussion about how how different cards and abilities interact. And uh, yeah, you can now found, find all the skirmish stuff also having been put in this... Um, in this uh, overview of uh, all the ability resolution, so it's uh, it's recommended. 
Yeah, the the best thing about it is that uh, if you have it on a open on a tablet, <coughs> you can of of course go into the web page and search for certain ability names or certain command card names, and it will just highlight it for you in which uh, phase you can apply it. So it helps you build plans on what you want to do during during your attack. So. This is something you should definitely not overlook if you are still struggling with when to apply which modifiers and when to resolve which abilities. Yeah. Definitely worthwhile. Okay. So up to the next one. The next one is actually... Uh, wait, I'm going ahead of myself. So uh, the <coughs> Galaxy's Fate in my hand, the AI Probability Compendium has been updated again. Which is um, the fellow named by a name I can't know, I cannot pronounce um, on the official boards, and he took a look at um, the new uh, attachments from Jabba's Realm and how they affect uh, melee and also uh, ranged weapons and how good rerolls actually are and whatnot. So it's being uh, expanded continually. And you should read it because it's very interesting to read and a very handy resource on deciding which stuff to buy during upgrade stages, especially if you're playing Rebel, of course. But also if you're just playing the Empire and wanting to know how much are my, uh, how big are my chances on actually getting some damage through against this black die with my stormtroopers, this is the way to go. So check out the Companion. It's a nice read. And certainly something you could you should use if you want to pep up your campaign uh, and make it more competitive. Uh, we also have a another episode of the Jodo Cast. Um, this time they made a, uh, a report uh, about the recent Imperial Assault regionals, and they were playing with Java's Realm stuff. And also you can they have some nice pictures on the webpage with, with painted minis and it looks amazing and they were playing jet troopers and the inquisitor and uh jedis and all of the good stuff so uh, banther riders i'm seeing banther riders not banther riders it's actually uh what how are they called uh Dubek riders of course and uh they also made of course a a podcast episode about it if if you want to listen to them if you haven't uh, already um, uh, subscribed to them in your podcast app, I don't know what you're doing. But you can also listen to it uh, in the uh, news article itself, which is linked into our show notes. And there you have a media player at the bottom, which you can listen to the episode in. And then, uh, last but not least... Oh, yeah, that's the streaming from Royal Rich. Yeah, uh, we will... We, won't forget uh, to link uh, Rich's YouTube channel, which is Star Wars Streaming. And pay him a visit, maybe subscribe to him. He has some good content about Star Wars uh, Imperial Assault Skirmish. So, what's this just in? Yep, uh, yes. Enlighten yes. me. Um, what's this? It? This is sneaking in at the uh, tail end of the Community Watch if we're done with it. Yeah, yeah, we are done. So, um, uh, the. Outside the, of this special, the, there was a there was a, um, a a bulletin, a special bulletin that missed our news, and that is, of course, that um, over Christmas, uh, Asmodee has gobbled up Heidelberger, Edge, and Millennium. So, 
uh, Asmodee are those that gobbled up uh, FFT um, not too long ago. So uh, basically, uh, FFT is now part of the same conglomerate of a sense that is now also owning the companies in charge of distributing uh, Fantasy Flight's Star Wars games in France, in the German-speaking market, and in Spain. Um, and it's going to mm-hmm. be interesting, especially moving forward towards the European Championship this summer. Summer, if um, if maybe also the metas in these countries in terms of what's uh, available in their own languages and what can be used as tournaments might catch up to the yeah. to the rest of the world. Do you know the distributor of Imperial Assault or FFG stuff in the UK? Is it also already uh, bought by SP? Um I don't think so, and I know the name, but I have forgotten them. Um, I do oh, okay. think that Asmodee probably also have their own um, presence there. I know it's someone from Asmodee, for instance, taking care of the European Championships. Um, I forget what the main distributor is, is named there, but um, the thing is, I, I, I it's obviously interesting, but the thing is, um, Asmodee is already having the biggest distributor in northern Europe, uh, north of Germany, so like in the in the low countries and in Scandinavia, that's uh, what used to be Enigma, which is now also part of the Asmodee group. Yeah. So apparently some of these uh, uh, companies that are now being fused with Asmodee, they were already working together and they were already using each other for um, putting distribution out in each other's markets, so they're just basically taking the last step to become part of the same uh, company outright. And I've heard, um, actually, that supposedly it was Heidelberger that, um, back in the day, years ago, um, funded FFD's purchase of the uh, IP rights to use Star Wars yes. um, for their games. So, But now um, FFD Asmodee is then absorbing Heidelberg. Yeah. It's... Certainly very interesting to see how it develops over the next few yeah. years in terms of uh, getting content out in the localized markets. And I I hope they can manage to, to, to even out the the available content for each for each region. Not going to put my money in it, but at least it's a, a hope now. And maybe it also brings, uh, with the European Championships, a, mo- a more generalized way of playing these games competitively on uh, on turn- in tournaments, local tournaments, more regional tournaments, and of course the continental tournaments. So, uh, of course, there is always the the fear that uh, with Asmodee controlling it controlling a very large chunk of distributors in Europe now that prices are going to hike and I think they will we there's no there's no way they won't but since we're already playing premium for this stuff I don't think it will hurt us too much so um yeah and that's it for community watch unless you have something no no that was just a bit of a delayed news that uh that uh we missed earlier that uh seeped into the community watch all right, so we head over to our last um, uh, section for this episode, which is rules clarification. But you are not a Jedi yet. And let me note down the time. So uh, the only we have the since Java's realm is out now, and we have some questions. 
the, the section is getting a bit of a re revival. And the first is actually a, a question a listener sent in. Ivan sent the question about Jabba's Realm 4-player map, uh, which has a rule uh, that reads, during the start of each round, for each turret a team controls, the team chooses a space and roll, rolls one green die. Then, or then there's, a, there's a period and the next sentence reads, each figure in each of the chosen spaces simultaneously suffers damage equal to the damage result. And his question was, if this is at all... Uh, taking an account uh, initiative and if the if one team is resolving it first and then the other team is resolving and there has been a, a bit of discussion on this uh, on the official boards and people were of the consensus really that um, even though players might not roll the dice uh, at the same time the effects of the dice um, happen at the same time so you cannot actually if you have initiative and control one of these terminals you cannot snipe away a figure controlling another terminal from your opponent and then they cannot shoot back. All of these determining how much shots are actually dealt happen before dice are rolled and then dice are rolled and then damage is distributed and then figures die. So uh, that's at least uh, what I read from the uh, from the, the thread in the boards and I completely agree with that, uh, especially since the, the, the wording specifically... Uh, mentions simultaneously taking damage so this is not something there should be a big question about so but uh, of course i'm gonna link the the thread in the show notes and uh, i hope i think we will have much more questions next time when stuff is in more players hands so and i think uh Jeppe already is preparing some stuff he wants to ask Yes, yeah. The developers from, from before Christmas, and, and uh, I think it's interesting to note that uh, where we've been used to in the past that uh, there's a hiatus for about a month after a new expansion is out before they answer yeah. those questions. But um, we can see on the Facebook, sorry, not Facebook, but the Fantasy Flight forum that uh, people are getting their uh, questions on Java responded already by Todd. So uh, yeah. Um, mm -hmm. I've been wanting to wait after Christmas and the New Year's, but maybe I should get around to send that uh, email with a bunch of questions for him to yeah. bite into. <laughs> yeah. So next time we will probably have a little bit more uh, in this section. This brings us to the end of our show. Uh, a little bit early this time. Early, <laughs> after 90 <laughs> minutes or so. Uh, <laughs> that's that's a time frame I'm not used to, actually. So, uh, Jeppe, any parting words for this episode? Yeah, so this episode, speaking of which, I believe is the 40th, ex 40th episode. Yeah, it's the 40th. And, uh, yeah. I've, it's one of the big round numbers. And I've just uh, celebrated my 40th birthday this last week. Oh, that's true. That's true. Happy birthday! Thank you very much. Actually. So I had I congratulated you, yeah, on, you, on this. You, you did so. indeed. So uh, I was celebrating my birthday yesterday with a big party with a lot of board games and a lot of people. And uh, so I've got a lot of um, gift certificates now that I will go and put on the counter when I pick up pick up all my Jabba stuff uh, this uh, coming week. Um, uh, I wanna have I wanna have birthday too <laughs> when big boxes arrive. <laughs> yeah, but then all for me it's all uh, sort of. Uh, condensed around Christmas and uh, my birthday here within yeah, uh, one and a half yeah. week of each other. But um on a on a on a different note I'm I'm having a a uh, um lack of uh, lack of faith I think because um 
whereas I've been doing fairly well in Imperial Assaults tournaments and fairly well in Amara tournaments, <laughs> I have, despite having played that game for the longest... I- I read no, this. No, you read <laughs> Go on, no, go on. No, I've, I've, I've been on. playing X-Wing for the longest. Uh, for, uh, I believe, more than three years I've gone to tournaments. And I've not really won many of them, actually. Surprisingly uh, few compared to the number I've played in. But um, <clears throat> this uh, this last weekend, this Saturday, I uh, for the first time, I brought Rebels to an X-Wing tournament. And I even brought X-Wings that I had never had out of the out of the box and uh, of course as you might know I'm uh, notoriously uh, Imperial and I've been that in Amada and in X-Wing as well as in, in Imperial Assault but I went through this tournament um, not only did I go through it undefeated I went through it without losing any of my figures in fact I barely used my damage <laughs> deck I, I think I drew one card from my damage decks so you should just imagine yourself playing a whole tournament of Imperial Assault without ever using your damage tokens um, that's sort of what happened and I know that I was lucky with what I met uh, in the tournament and so on but uh, yeah the rebels are uh, tempting me away from the Emperor's uh, otherwise um, loyal uh, servitude um Resist the yes, pull to the light is, side. Uh, it is, uh, it's uh, <laughs> shocking, really. Um, so, um, I'm, I've been today. I've spent quite a bit of time where I should have been doing other things, um, mulling over imperialists. I want to play in imperial assault because I'd actually already been uh, certain that I would be playing um, scum uh, in this. Um, coming wave but um, I, I need to find my way back to the empire or maybe not maybe maybe those days are behind me it's just too bad that I've invested so much in the empire compared to the other sides in all three games <laughs> <laughs> yeah I mean with the new releases the, the focus is very much on the mercenary side and then I think it's understandable that many players will switch over to the mercenaries just because they have gotten so many new flashy toys to play around with and the Empire, of course, they got something, but most of it is not as flashy as what uh, the mercenaries got. So it's completely understandable that I, it will be a bit dominating over the next few weeks. I, and I have to say that it, it's probably going to come across as a bit ridiculous. But so I've I've enjoyed the stick of uh, you know like being. Uh, being a nice space fascist uh, across all games and had fun with it, but um, <laughs> but it's sort of um, with how things are looking around us right now. When you're looking around the world, it's sort of getting less fun and carefree to uh, be uh, sort of pretend uh, toy fascists. So yeah, but that's I think. But that, but that's, but that's how you deal with stuff yeah. with, with, with creating satire. I, I, I think, it, but right? for somehow the, the satire is maybe a, I'm, I'm enjoying it less. Though to be honest, as for this X-wing tournament, it was because it was a kind of a tournament called a hangar bay where you're meant to bring two lists. Actually, that could be fun to do for Imperial Assault at some point. We should make a, a special tournament for that. But the idea is you bring two lists, you show your opponent your two lists, mm-hmm. and they see you see each other's, and then in uh, simultaneously you pick which list you're playing without knowing what the other picks. So I just brought this rebel list okay. because I had to bring something and I, I didn't even have like the ship I needed the 
the X-70s that I was flying and, and the one I had, I had never had out of the box. So I thought, well, this is hilarious. <laughs> and someone when I, who I was paired against in the first round was like joking about I, that I that he wanted to play against me when I played Rebels for the first time in X-Wing. So so I did, and then I ended up sticking with that list all day, of course, to uh, to everyone's surprise. <laughs> <laughs> and you crushed everyone. Yeah, no, it was, I was, there was a bit of luck involved both in my pairings and in my, um, in my, my individual matches for sure. But it was just um, uh, hilarious nonetheless and of course the day after on my birthday everyone was bringing me imperial stuff and special 3d printed things that had imperial logos on it and whatnot <laughs> and they had of course heard of it so it was um <laughs> perfect timing on my part yeah. yeah sounds fun yeah i need to get into board gaming and tournaments too again yeah it sounds yeah. really fun uh, yeah, I've been I've been actually playing board games quite a lot during the break. I, I've been playing the Arkham Horror LCG Which, to death. Oh, by the really, way, so. I don't know why I neglected to tell you, but that was also amongst my gifts yesterday. So I just taken the wrap of it, and yeah. I'm going to try it uh, hopefully tomorrow. Yeah, it it's real. I mean, uh, the the game the game is okay if you have one core box, but if you really play card games for deck building. You basically need a second core box because there is zero deck building. Or you, or you don't, box. and you wait for expansions and then just limit or do what you have. Yes. Or you wait for expansions. Sure, sure, sure. Of course, yeah. But it's a very. I I think the. It was exciting to play through because uh, in the core box alone there are so many interesting mechanics and and ways to tell the story throughout um, mechanicals or mechanics in in scenarios and decisions you take during the scenarios that it's 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 amazing i, I mean it's it's light years ahead of what uh, lord of the rings card game was when it was released uh and it's so impressive and so fun to play but like i said i only have one english core box and i'm waiting for the german core box to buy two of them and then play it with my gaming group but until then, I, I played it solo, and I, I finished it, I think, four times now uh, with two different uh, characters, and it's it's amazing. Uh, so I played that, and during New Year's, actually, uh, we played, we, we had a board game evening, and we played a bit of uh, Dixit and Mysterium, which um, we broke out of the box, actually, both of them, because we, we, we ordered them. Well, you haven't, like, you haven't played any of them before, ago. I, I played Dixit um, uh, with other friends uh, in Essen, I think, and then with other friends too. But we have ordered it, and we haven't played it here in, in my flat. But we did on, on New Year's Eve, New Year's event. Uh, the people fell, fell in love with it, and it's it's really the new favorite game. And <laughs> even though it's already almost ten years old, so uh, so we've, we've been playing a bit of the the casual and party game stuff, and it's it's still it's still okay. We also played Mysterium, which is very similar, but I think it's unless you you tie into into it some storytelling, I I couldn't find the the appeal. There's no really mechanical appeal to it, and uh, un- unlike unlike uh, Dixit, you're not you're not trying to to use your imagination too much. There's 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 less communication on the table, more guessing. So I. I'm not a fan of Mysterium. It's a good game, and we had our fun with it. But for what it's costing, I don't, I don't think I could recommend I've it. I've also so. 
I'm already too late with this. <laughs> I played Mysterium a <laughs> couple of times, and actually also at a New Year's a couple of years ago. And um, I think what yeah. I, I've, I've seen from people around me in my gaming groups is that people miss a bit from Dixit where you take turns being creative, whereas in in Mysterium it's mostly mostly just uh, one person, the ghost. What I'm looking forward to though is to try the uh, at some point the uh, uh, Hong Kong murder and murder in Hong Kong. Deception. I always forget which order the words are, but it's okay. Hong Kong and Murder and Deception in some <laughs> random order. That's yeah. the game that is a bit like uh, Mysterium, but with more gameplay for people who like more stuff to be going on, more crunch. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah maybe I need to look at that, uh, that too. Okay, uh, that's it for this episode. Uh, if you want to reach us, you can, of course, uh, the best way is uh, on, uh, via email. And don't forget to join also on Discord and on our Facebook page where we post stuff all the time. And if you want to register for the tournament, you still can. It's open and the, the post on the website is still open and still up. So you can read it, the, the, the tournament uh, rules and which uh, requisites you or which requirements you need to fill to actually compete. All of that is up there. And I think we will see us again in this time, really, in two weeks. Yeah, and <laughs> we will stick to our schedule now since the holidays. And the now. registration for our tournament is, of course, closing on January 22nd. 22nd, and yeah. This will be this will be just a day before we next record, or maybe a few days before we next record. And so. don't forget, if you're in our neck of the woods, that uh, the European Championship sign-up uh, start on Friday, this very Friday, on the UK Gaming yeah, pro- Expo website. Probably on the day when the podcast goes yeah. up, yeah, because be. I still need to edit this. So, <laughs> Okay, so that's it, and with that, uh, have fun, and bye-bye until next time. Bye-bye. May the force be with you. Mm-hmm.